Welcome to Rasterized, a podcast about life and design with Sydney and Eric. This week, we're talking about freelancing and side hustles. Hustling, hustling, hustling. So anyway, Eric, you, I also, I've said it before, I'll say it again. You are my inspiration when it comes to side hustles. Do you want to talk a little bit about all of your different projects that you work on and why you chose to start hustling? Mine naturally came out of being a photographer. So, you know, I just started taking photos of everything. And then one day someone was like, hey, I'll give you a couple bucks if you come take photos of this for me. And just started doing that, and it grew from there. And um, since moving on from photography, I also now do website design. Um, I help out nonprofits with, uh, oh, geez, all sorts of things. Um, you know, basic technical support, uh, creating websites, uh, designing logos and flyers and all sorts of things. Um, and that's, it, it, it's grown to be like part of my regular daytime job is to, help out the other organizations that reside within uh, the uh, building that I work for. And so that's been a lot of fun. And that extends to a lot of uh, opportunities outside of my full-time job too, which is uh, sometimes there's a little bit of a blur between whether I'm working on a project that's for my full-time job or something that's on the side. Um, So that's kind of like where I'm at now. Um, And kind of looking towards the future, I would like to extend that work into something that's uh, a bit more personally uh, useful, I guess, um, in terms of uh, who I'm working for. So right now, I really do like the company I work for because they do uh, uh, educational outreach to uh, people in our community um, through the use of film. Um, And since that's what I think is a just cause, uh, I'd like to look for other just causes that I can work for as well. So because if, if I'm going to be working, I'd rather be working for uh, something that I find useful. And that's why I kind of focus on working for nonprofits. Uh, how about you, Sydney? Have you done any type of side work or anything? Good question. Mm, I'm <laughs> going to go. <laughs> I, I've helped a lot of people. So I'll like give feedback on like advertising copy or i'll correct people's papers but i never get paid for it so i'm not hustling i'm like at a slow walk i'm working my way up to hustling do you have any kind of advice for someone like who may be in my shoes who wants to start a side hustle and has a skill set they think that they can you know start an independent business with well i feel from my experience you kind of have to have a good objective view of what you're good at and what you can do quickly and then find what organizations or companies are not doing that thing and then approach them and see if you can do that thing for them for money um that's that's one of the (laughs) eric's keys to success yeah make sure you get paid for it (laughs) um oh yes so yeah it's things like uh, building a website or even i do simple stuff all the time like setting up social media platforms um like facebook accounts and stuff like that um some companies either don't have the time or don't have the people to do it so if you can offload that work for them to you and do it very quickly uh it can be very lucrative for you interesting do you run anyone's social media or do you just help start it 
Um, I do run a couple of organizations, social media accounts. Um, I don't disclose who they are, but uh, yes, I do. Um, and some of those came, uh, some of them on purpose, some of them accidentally. Uh, I actually administrate a website that was purely just kind of thrusted onto me <laughs> without my knowledge. Um, I happened to be asked for a question one time, and while doing that, they're like, oh, we should just give you admin privileges. And now I kind of run the site for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you are such a reliable, dedicated worker, such as yourself, it's easy to get put in those positions where you just have all of these responsibilities thrown at you without your knowledge. Oh, thank you. You compliment me too much. <laughs> oh, no, never say that. Never too much. Um, but yeah, so that's what Eric's been talking to me a lot about freelancing. It's something I've been considering since I have a few different skills that I think would work well for people. Like for instance, I see a great need where I work um, for copy editing, regular editing and, and making promotional materials. A lot of the businesses where in the area where I work, uh, they're run by older, older folks. And it, it's not always um, in working in an area that has a large population of older people. I find that they really struggle when it comes to and not just using up-to-date technology, but they struggle with like what they want to say and how they want to say it. Um, and, and I think that I have a skill set and a personality such that I can sit down with a group or a club or whatever and identify their needs and work with them to help make a product that better suits their organization. So it's just an idea I've been toying with. Like I said, I'm at a slow crawl. I'm not exactly hustling, but I'm thinking about like steps I could be taking to have a side hustle. Uh, just diversify my portfolio a little bit. Yeah, I a, a point I'd like to make about you mentioning that you work a lot with an older population. Um, when it comes to that, you know, you kind of have a little bit of a digital divide, a technical literacy divide, um, and that can usually play in your favor. Uh a lot of like jobs that you'll find that people want you to do like one-off little things are probably for you extremely simple. Um, but for other people, it just causes hours of frustration. Uh, I've been paid to go out and help people, uh, connect their printer to their Wi-Fi, Like, and they were like, were sincerely very thankful that I was able to come do it. Um, and so basically probably anyone under 30 can probably do that now. Um, but you know, when you're working with a, uh, an generation that has difficulties with, uh, tech things of today and didn't grow up with them, it's, it's something that you can use to either do small jobs for to make money or to be able to step it up to something bigger in the future. Uh, it's, it's a great way to build that rapport right off the bat. I agree. And I think if there's a central theme to this podcast, it would be create your own opportunities, even where you believe there are none and approaching people who are who are in need, or maybe they didn't realize they were in need, like showing there's a need for this in a polite way, of course, sitting down and explaining uh, really opens the doors for you where there weren't doors before. Yeah. And, and for a lot of them, they won't even know that you have the skills or that the skills are something that they might want. Um, I had uh, brought up the idea of making a YouTube channel for one of the organizations in my building. And when I was talking about that idea to um, some of the people uh, in our organization, 
I had another one that's the head of another group say like, wait, we could do that. <laughs> and they were really, really interested in the idea to apply it to something outside of that group. Um, so if they just suddenly realize that there's things that they can do, uh, then that's another way to jump into uh, work for different organizations um, and to escalate things to something that might be much better paying. Right, right. So um, as we've been talking, well, I guess we haven't been talking about, but Eric and I, outside of the podcast, <laughs> when we hang out, we've been talking a lot about our generation being one of freelancers. And I don't know if this is the time you want to introduce that Hank Green video, it's up to you. Oh, yeah, it, it came out a few weeks ago, um, and it, I think he titled it, uh, Why You Aren't Starting a Business. Um, and he kind of talked about how everyone says that, you know, small businesses aren't starting up or anything, but really that's not true because our generation is probably doing more freelance work than any other in the past. Um, just because uh, for a lot of things we do, there aren't really established industries for them either. Like, if you're going to have someone be... Um, a daily vlogger for your or you know organization or something which could potentially be very successful for marketing there's there's no established industry for that you're not going to know who to go to or no businesses most of them aren't even going to know that they need that or want that um so you kind of have to like connect those businesses and ideas from old industries to new technology that's coming out and um this is probably more useful to uh younger designers out there because that's something that you will know uh, intuitively how to do right right as we are transitioning from older forms of media into kind of like uncharted territory it is something that we are learning how to connect the dots and as eric's saying the people who come after us are they're going to intuitively know how to connect those dots where we're probably more familiar with a traditional setup where you have a large team working to put out a company's mission. But now you can hire out different people. It's less of a team and more of, I don't know. I, how If there is a metaphor for it, what would you think it would be? Um, I'm not sure of a metaphor. It's mostly just like, like how even things are being shaken up by different new new media types, uh, even with like radio versus podcasts, um, you have a whole different marketing dynamic with it. With regular radios, you would sell ad slots, um, you know, to you know generate revenue in the radio station. With podcasts, it's more like who is an influencer, and all that kind of stuff becomes much more important. Um, and so these are things that, you know, the market is shifting around, um, and things that, you know, we are all trying to establish ourselves as, and, you know, to be able to, uh, market our skills and to capture audiences and attention. And, um, so there's all sorts of different things going on and, uh, you know, whoever can connect the dots the best, that's usually who ends up being successful. Mm -hmm. Whereas before... People were banking on the exclusivity of these platforms. Like, so you were mentioning radio with radio ads. Um, and there's an exclusivity there where, I don't know, maybe it's wrong to say that it's not as much about content as it is today. But it seems like there is a huge shift where it is all about content now. Oh, yeah. 
in capturing people's attention. Absolutely. And content's gotten much shorter, too. Um, I actually just in recently in the mail received a Nielsen survey for the first time in my life. And it went in asking, you know, like, what's your favorite show? How much TV do you watch during the week? And I had to put in the zero check mark because I, I don't have cable. <laughs> um, most of my you know, entertainment media that I consume is on YouTube or Netflix. Um, and a lot of it's, you know, 10 minute, 15 minute videos on YouTube. Um, or it might be a podcast here and there. That's, you know, that's a much shorter attention span for people than, um, TV used to be with half hour shows, although they are starting to move that way as well with shows getting shorter and cramming in more ads on them. But what happens when you're, you know, you have TV shows that are established on large channels, having difficulty competing with uh, people playing video games on YouTube. So it's it, everything's really changing a lot. And um, th that kind of goes back into why you need to have a broad skill set, because you need to be ready for anything that could possibly happen or for to provide all these skills that um, new businesses need. Uh, we, we had an interesting thing happen last year, actually. Um, whenever Pokemon Go came out, uh, we had an issue with on the park where I work. Um, there were a lot of people suddenly coming out of the park specifically to play that game. And me and the other, and one of the marketing interns were the only ones who had any idea what that app was. Um, so we actually had to have a sit down meeting with a bunch of the heads of the organization to like explain to them what this app is, what does the technology mean, what do we have to do about it? Um, and that was just such a, a weird moment for me to be sitting there saying like, oh, I need to I need to explain Pokemon to a bunch of these 50-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's suddenly your organization is faced with a windfall of people coming in and visiting, and what do you do? You take advantage and you learn what this windfall is that's bringing them in, which was the game. It's facilitating that traffic. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very interesting. And, you know, of course, the app naturally kind of died down out of popularity over time, which is what we guessed was going to happen. Um, but, you know, you never know when something else like that might suddenly pop up and then we had to deal with it again. So, you know, at least we have uh, something to pull established ideas from now. Uh, another example is uh, when we were looking for ways to advertise events and stuff, um, we had to bring up the idea of using Snapchat filters or Snapchat uh, geolocators um, to be f uh, able to draw people into the place because uh, that's a technology that a lot of the um, uh, upper heads in the uh, mar marketing and PR departments never knew of or had to deal with before. Uh, so it's a technology that we suddenly had to like uh, integrate into what we do day to day. Eric, do you know how to do, <laughs> do you know how to do, do you know how to program or make the adjustments in Snapchat such that you can do the swipe up to read more here? Um, I, I do not. I'm not very familiar with Snapchat personally. <laughs> that's something, that's something I'll need to like look at myself, but not like it's, um, you know, I, you have things that you're good at and things you're not. Snapchat would be one of the things I'm probably not very good at. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I feel like I'm just mastering Instagram stories with my animated stories, but yeah, kind of behind on the Snapchat game. And But it's, you know, if you want to target like, especially younger teens, that's where they're all on. 
No, they're not on Facebook anymore. A lot, uh, you know, I work with models in like the 15 to 18 range quite often. And most of them don't even have Facebook Messenger. It's, you know, Snapchat or Instagram that they use to communicate. Really? They message exclusively through either of those, even though it erases your messages? I, I believe Snapchat is the one they use the most out of my personal experience with people. To the frustration of both me and my other friend who also are talking and communicating with them because, you know, you're trying to remember what you said to them before and it suddenly disappears. <laughs> See, I thought my biggest battle at work when it comes to getting accustomed to technology was learning how to use the fax machine, but I was wrong. Hmm. Uh, it's trying to do uh, business contacts through Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you know the fax machine can call people? I didn't know that. There's like a little phone on the side. You can pick it up and call someone. Oh, yeah. A fax machine is just a phone on a phone line. It's, it's basically it's dial-up still... <laughs> like, for a document. The fax machine to me is pretty much a mystery box. It's like email. Well, I guess it's like email in a box. That's one of the few technologies where I'm really surprised it's stuck around as long as it has. Really? Yeah, because a fax is, if you had like a handheld scanner, a fax is pretty useless. Because you can just email them the, you know, the scan and they can print it out. Um, I think the immediacy of it, though, is what, it keeps it around because you could fax something and it'll instantly print on the other end. Where I work, we offer a faxing service. So we do get a lot of foot traffic coming in specifically to fax different papers. And also some of the clients I work with will only send me their materials via fax, which is frustrating. And <laughs> nothing makes me feel like living in the 90s more when I'm working on the aforementioned Quirk 4 and having to deal with the faxes. But anyway, I was wondering about that since I'll be going on vacation soon. I'm really excited about it because I haven't taken any time off and I, I'm starting to feel a little bit burnt out. But point being is these advertisers who will only send their materials via fax, I'm going to have to figure out a way such that someone from my office can scan them or you know email them to me and getting around those technological hurdles and um where we're staying it's my grandparents house down south and they used to have a fax machine there and i always asked like hey dad why does grandpa have a fax machine and so it's for work and i could never put it together like why would you want to have work follow you when you're on vacation but now as i get older i realize Especially working in such a small team, there's no way to avoid it. Like, I have to be contributing. I have to do my part or else this publication we put out every day isn't going to happen. I mean, that's a good point with, like, how, you know, kind of with businesses like that, kind of holding on to technologies like that and, I guess, living in the past a little bit. Because, you know, even my organizations, we still our main communication is through email, even though email isn't really... Uh, super convenient uh, form of communication anymore compared to like services like Skype or well, I or, mean, uh, Slack I, or something like that. I, I like that we kind of hold on to some of these older technologies just for the sake that if I do need to send a fax or whatever, should I find myself in a bind? I know how to do it. It, it is still frustrating though that we have people who... So for instance, we had an older woman submit She's a secretary for a club, so she submitted her club's minutes, and she was getting frustrated that we didn't have it, 
published in our publication. <laughs> uh, it makes me laugh trying to like work around naming it. But anyway, she was frustrated, but it's equally, if not more frustrating to have someone send in two pages of handwritten material with handwriting that's hard to decipher when you know it would take half the time to type it and it's just people who who fax things and just refuse to to type or email or learn or get behind it it just i don't know sometimes i wish we didn't have those technologies just to say well you can't fax it on the account if we have no fax machine but we also do get reports from the police from the facts so i don't know it, it, it's a double-edged sword but. yeah i mean it, and it mostly drives down to like people use it because some places refuse to use something else so you have to continue using it and yeah it's frustrating but I, sometimes I, I i'm thinking eventually it'll go the way of the pager <laughs> <laughs> oh the pager that is a technology i've never really seen in person and i don't quite understand oh. it was like short messages we're really, we're right really telling our age now <laughs> <laughs> guess how old we are <laughs> my my biggest exposure to pagers was home alone 3 when the dad had his pager would get information about what was going on at the house <laughs> oh see all i know about pagers comes from scrubs it'd be like ah oh, i'm being paged and then jd would go off into some kind of silly shenanigan but yeah well do doctors still use pagers uh you know what? I think they do because um, it's really immediate and quick. I think they're like, I think that's the only industry that still uses them that I know of. There, there might be something else, but I'm just not aware of it. Asking the real questions on our podcast. Who uses pagers? <laughs> do you use a pager? If so, write to if, us. If you, if you daily use a pager, please tweet me and let me know because <laughs> that's amazing i feel like maybe a tweet is like a pager now kind of is page me with your pager through twitter <laughs> um on my personal blog which i also will not reference on here or name drop i have a series of tags and if it's me communicating and it's not something that's a reblog or i'm talking about work whatever the case may be since i'm often talking about my work in writing i'll categorize it as a tale from a carrier pigeon just because it feels so antiquated anymore but like sent smoke signals yeah there's there's some novelty in it but uh i i am a fan of being able to adjust to new technology some of them don't always work too though so i mean you gotta kind of work try I at least try things out i mean i i, I know from my experience it's kind of been my job to like quickly learn how to use something new because i've been doing it all the time it's like oh this operating system is changing again i have to learn how to do this oh indesign changed how to do that you're gonna have to learn that real quick so after a while you just get used to being like oh i need to learn how to do this again real quick <laughs> unless your work refuses to update its software then you're just living in the 90s with me yes uh you and your quark <laughs> <laughs> hey you know what the classified ads are nothing to joke about eric <laughs> Uh, one good point I'd like to bring up about that is, um, do you notice like design trends and icons and UI design, um, that kind of help you out with figuring out how to do stuff, even if you don't know how? So for like, for example, if I just gave you a brand new, something like a word office word and ask you to print out the page that's on it do you think you could figure it out without having to refer to anything um 
Probably. I mean, I I am going to guess that a lot of user interfaces are designed around similar models such that you should be able to figure out through a chain of, I don't know, just from your own familiarity with it. I mean, I think I could look at the control panel. I'm assuming there's a control panel, but I think that through process of elimination and just like whatever deduction that I could come to that conclusion. That was a highfalutin way to say, I think so. <laughs> uh, and, and I think most of us could, but I, I definitely think uh, there's a lot of people who, I don't know if they just don't have the patience for that or um, just don't have the familiarity with uh, iconography that I think a lot of people, younger people naturally get. So if I, I asked you to describe a play button to, to start playing something, what would you say it looked like? Um, a play button is an isosceles triangle with the point facing the right-hand side and a vertical line on the left. It's pointing, if you would, to the right. Yeah, so uh, like kind of like some form of triangle pointing to the right. It's usually almost always a play button. And I know my parents personally don't know how to find that. If, if they're trying to learn how to play something, they, they I think they know what pause looks like for most things, but they don't know play buttons. They don't know eject buttons. They don't know power buttons. I don't think my parents could find a parent power button on most things unless that was pointed out to them. And I just, I don't know if that's a problem with the design of the icons itself, or if that's a problem with just the generation not growing up with technology that way to be able to interact with it. Maybe, but as I look at my keyboard now, I'm noticing the pause button. I wonder, well, you know how to read music. When you get to the end of a measure or at the end of a piece, doesn't it have like a double bar to say done? Yes. Is that like an echo of that? Um, I don't know. I'm not familiar <laughs> with the history of the icon design. Um, Wikipedia. Be, that might be really interesting to talk about and look into sometime is what's the history of a lot of these symbols. Um, is that iconography? I, is that a word? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Because a lot of that goes into UI design, which I find and UI and UX design. Or I know there's some contention between the two of this, but uh, basically UI design. And I think that's really interesting, um, especially when you get into things like looking inside Adobe software, which has a lot of really kind of obscure icons that people probably wouldn't know about. Um, and it's almost like learning a language <laughs> to figure out what all the different symbols mean. So I understand why there's issues with um, trying to learn this stuff. But uh, yeah, that's something I think we should look into in the future is what the, what the history of iconography is. I think so. I find them to be of interest just as, for instance, I know a lot of people who work in InDesign and hate, hate, hate the hidden character feature, but I myself love it because I understand what all those hidden characters mean. Like, I know that's a pill crow. I know that's a carriage return. Uh, all of those things to me just, it, it makes sense once you learn the symbol, but I can understand for a lot of people it's confusing and detracting from their, whatever they're trying to work on. But you know, you and I, we are visually oriented people, so I'm sure that'll be an upcoming topic about the iconography of these different symbols. You know what? I think for our typeface of the week, 
since we are talking about iconography, should we make it wingdings? I was just about to say we should say it at the same time because I have a feeling it's going to be wingdings. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, let's make it wingdings. Should we quickly search a history of wingdings? I I don't actually recommend using wingdings. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? We actually do. At the Daily Publication, is that vague enough? At the Daily Publication where I work, we actually use wingdings, but we just use the black boxes. I believe it's a lowercase n. Um, and that just, yeah, makes a black box. It makes it look a little bit different from a bullet. So we'll use it for sub points in a long column, things like that. So we actually do use it, but, you know, I think with limited usage, it can serve you well. I am absolutely shocked you managed to find a practical usage for wingdings, but good on you. <laughs> it wasn't me. It came before me. I don't know who implemented that, but. If you if you haven't before, people, you heard it here first. You can use wingdings for things. <laughs> well, I, I try to find the, is it ASCII or ASCII? I call it ASCII. Okay. It's just A-S-C-I-I. Most people I know say ASCII, so I'm going to go with ASCII, which almost sounds like ASCII, and now we're going to lose our clean lyrics stamp on iTunes. <laughs> oh, man. There it goes. Well, we got we got one. We can use one. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they listen every week to change it. Uh, well, I don't know. Do, now, do you use um, you know any of the like alt-hotkeys for ASCII characters? I personally use the bullet one, the O, I think it's alt-0183. Um, yes, I do. We, I can't remember. It, it's the one for like the degrees. So even though we don't use it at the daily publication where I work, I do use it personally to say like, hey, it's 15 degrees outside because that's where we live. It gets that cold in the winter. So I, I think that's the only one that comes off the top of my head. Oh, you know what? No, I do use the shortcut for the accent goo for things that are whatever they're, they're borrowed from French or if I want to be really fancy and put that for my resume, I'll do that. So those are the ones that come come to mind. Uh, 15 degrees is in Fahrenheit, just just so everyone knows too. Reason. Oh, <laughs> yes, Fahrenheit. We live in a very cold climate. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, just we get a lot of snow. We do. Uh, every once in a while, we'll get the uh, uh, snowy city in the nation uh, prize every once in a while. Sometimes we trade it off of um, our sister city or across the lake. I, was, I almost said the name. That would have given it away. But um, well, you, I thought we said the name of the city in the first podcast, or did you edit oh, it out? I don't I don't remember. Oh. Either way, Buffalo is a sister city, so figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that also works. I was thinking, like, Canada, but... Oh, Canada? Yeah. Canada's well, our... Our sister group. <laughs> I was going to say that's not a sister Toronto. city, but like Toronto, I don't know what's nearby. Toronto is probably cl- the closest big city. Unless we go mm-hmm. around the other side to past east of Detroit. <laughs> Eric, what's your favorite Canadian influenced hobbies or items? I mean, hockey, but that one seemed like a really low bar to reach for (laughs) we also have a pretty accomplished minor league hockey team where we live so that's another big point in our city we do they won their championships too it was pretty awesome this year you're gonna give it away (laughs) 
if you can go look up the minor league hockeys and figure out who won, you can find out where we're from. We'll let you down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Do you want to say which lake we're by? <laughs> well, I hope they could figure it out from Buffalo. You only have two choices. <laughs> Oh, true, true. I'm just trying to give you an out. I haven't said where I worked, but yours, they might be able to. Well, I guess there's one, like, an hour and a half away from us. Hmm. I don't know. It's okay. If you stalk me, I won't feel too bad. Just a little Wait a second. Out. You link to your social media. They're going to find you. Yeah, so there's nothing. Yeah, I'm not hiding. You can, you can <laughs> contact me all you want. Eric's not hiding. I've been a reporter, so I feel like I need to hide. Okay, I can see that. Do you tend to work better um, when you're a little bit tired, or like, what's what what time of day is your best time to work? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. So I've been getting to work around seven thirty in the morning, and what I like about that is it's before our organization <laughs> it's before the organization opens up for the day so it's pretty quiet the phones are silent it's a pretty peaceful time and what i like the best about it is that it's understood you don't really want to have long involved conversations it's not the time to catch up like hey how was your weekend like you save that for uh, whatever 10 or 11 so i really like the early morning and i think i'm tired enough that it forces me to just sit in my chair and get stuff done like i'm not racing around because Somewhere between like one to six is my worst time to get anything done. Um, does that hold true for you? Do you feel like mid-afternoon comes and you just want out of work? I'm more of a like late morning worker. Like I need that warm up period first to like really get into it. Cause so I work like a 10 to six kind of schedule. So if I actually got up and started working at seven or eight, I would probably be a drone for a couple of hours because I, I, I don't, like I just kind of I don't get enough sleep at night because I stay up too late. I, I work really well late afternoon and kind of late morning. Those I would that's what I would say my best times of work are and when I get the best work done. Hmm. I see. Do you ever find that you have good work when you're working late late at night like any kind of night owl tendencies or just late afternoon i feel like i come up with good ideas for stuff but i don't execute them well really late at night so like i, I kind of keep a um a little book by my bed so while i'm just sitting there like waiting to go to sleep or something uh if something comes up and i'm like ooh, i want to write about that or i want to make that or something um, I'll jot it down so that I don't just fall asleep and forget it. And then when I wake up in the morning, I find when I'm in the shower is a really awesome time to come up with stuff. I don't know why. Just one of those shower thoughts things. It totally works. Forward slash R, forward slash shower thoughts. That's a, that's a great subreddit. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier when you said that you didn't want to um, plug websites where people try and teach you things and really they don't have any business trying to act like a superior authority that's what i thought you were referring to all of reddit <laughs> yes all of reddit it, it, well yeah i i i can't i can't yeah I, I can see that about reddit 
But there's also like a lot of very genuine, awesome information on Reddit too. I like, like, I don't like Reddit just for like the links to stuff. I like Reddit for the conversations that happen in it. It's got one of the best comment systems, like of any website. It's very easy to follow the conversations and see what, you know, is being liked and not liked. It's just set up really well. I wish most places were like that, but you need to use a lot of screen space to do it. So I guess I see why they don't. Otherwise, it's a really ugly website. So <laughs> I remember when my brother first showed it to me and he was going on and on about it, how much he loves it. And I looked at it and just went, ew. Yeah, it's not pretty. It's like just a wall of text. And you're just like, why would you like that? But you, you, it's when you get into it and start reading everything that that's what I really enjoy. You're right. Now I, I really appreciate it, especially after being bombarded with images all day or videos or what have you. It's a refreshing break. Well, I haven't been on it. I, I used to follow it pretty closely for like three years. And then the past two years, I have barely gotten on it. But uh. right now, there's a lot of talk about coconuts. That's going to date this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think one of the last things I remember when I was really big into it was the with rice kid. Oh, that was a, that, that was a good time. That was a good time. 10 out of 10. Rate this podcast and then rate this podcast with rice. <laughs> <laughs> but the, it's so weird that a, a website that like has a few million unique visitors can have like entire website experiences like that where it's a group of people, everyone's in on the joke. It always fascinates right. me. It is. Um, it, it's funny you bring that up, too, um, because the one summer when I was really big into it, it was a couple years ago, before the rice deal, and I was getting ready for, I can't remember what I was doing, but I didn't have, I had work off, and it was like a big day for me, and I was getting ready, it was early morning, and I pull up Reddit, and I'm looking, and there is a picture from our office on the front page of Reddit, and one of my coworkers had submitted it to, I think it's the history subreddit, and I instantly recognized it, and I commented back, like, hey, isn't this picture in your office next to the plant? that you should be watering and he, he instantly responds like oh shoot i'm like yeah that's why you don't make fun of the intern but it's really weird that you can have this huge community of people but also you know tiny like bump into each other around the corner kind of scenarios yeah and usually people are like oh no someone found out my username on reddit oh no yeah you never know who might be on there and picking stuff out and then they're gonna follow your profile around and come up to you one day and be like i saw you upvote that yeah although i will say i responded to someone's plea on yik yak for like an interview for one of their intro journalism classes so i was like hey i'll i'll do an interview and ended up being kind of friendly with them afterwards so that's an know. that's an app that kind of died out of nowhere yik yak yak do you remember when that was a huge thing yeah well i I've been reading about it just out of curiosity, and since its founders kind of jumped ship, and I I can't remember if they sold the technology, but such that whatever they had to do legally with their new jobs, they had to cease all operations with the company, with, with yeah, Yik Yak. Yeah, inter- there was, um, I used to work on the newspaper for our school, and we had huge stories about how Yik Yak was being abused to just 
say horrible things about people and to people. Like it was, it w- it was a technology that was just, I don't know. It it had interesting aspects, but it was just prime and ready to be used for awful stuff. <laughs> Which is why I don't understand why some people. Like, like, the same people who condemned Yik Yak are the same ones who turned around and got Sahara, Saraha, I don't know how to pronounce it, but that anonymous messaging app that someone can send you, quote, real feedback. I, I don't get it. Like, why? I It's just, it's kind of an attention thing, I think. It's yeah. People, it's people wanting attention without the responsibility that that attention has with it. That's an interesting point of view. They want to be able to say whatever's on their mind without having to deal with the consequences. Oh, see, I thought you were referring to the other way around. Like the person who is reading these messages about themselves wants the attention, but not like the consequences of, you know, whatever, knowing. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, specifically for that app, I think if you're not going to make it unless you want the feedback and it's i think that comes from attention wanting that makes sense you're like oh hey you can come say anything to me come say it (laughs) i guess the real life equivalent i've had people i graduated high school with like for instance my parents were at a cookout in town and someone who i i didn't graduate with them they were a year older than me and i didn't know them super well but they like came up to my mom they're like oh you're sydney's mom she she was always so nice and so smart in school she's really gonna go far and i was just blown away having like not really known this person and just getting all of this like really nice feedback um really surprising so i agree I, I think it's like stroking that emotional ego like yes tell me nice things about myself under the guise of critical feedback yeah and i and i haven't used the service at all personally or i don't like i haven't looked at it or anything so if i'm misunderstanding some ways of how it's used that's just because i don't know anything about it <laughs> <laughs> it's okay i'm in the same boat i i just look at it from afar as someone whose work goes into a very public forum um on a regular basis and getting feedback in return from the public that's not the most constructive thing in the world i don't know i i don't like to open myself up to it just because i mean i've i've gotten things back and, and sometimes it's legitimate constructive criticism which is great and other times it's like hey stupid blah 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 blah, blah. so i yeah i don't know yeah. i i'm really reluctant to do so um and oftentimes that criticism is not always very useful unless it's from someone that you know knows their clout (laughs) you know what i mean right where Um, if i sat you down and said eric i really want to talk to you about your facial hair i think like me as your close friend like you know what we need to chat about your facial hair and what it really means for your career and its serious impacts on your social life as opposed to someone anonymously messaging you and saying, shave it all. I'm really self-conscious about my, my facial hair now, all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm looking at your Skype icon, and it was something I could think of. Um, obviously, there's no problem with it. But yeah, you're going to take constructive feedback more seriously. Well, not constructive feedback, but just feedback seriously from someone who you know, knows you well, etc. And not just this random shout in the void 
I, I like now, I don't know. I don't know if I can take that type of criticism by someone who does not have to shave every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, from what I understand from, I was, you know, friends like, please shave. My brother has a beard. I'm like, please shave it. Um, I understand that it is a challenge to shave it every day. So it's fine. If it's. <laughs> no, I, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I, I promise you, I don't have a problem with it. But just point being, someone you know, you're going to take what they're saying into far more consideration than just some random critique. It's like a bunch of, I don't know, I think it's like trolls. Like, are you really going to listen to what they're saying? They're not very nice about it. They're not very sincere or upfront. It's just to be, being nasty to be nasty. Yeah. And, you know, if it's not criticism from someone who either either is from the industry or knows you well it's just market research really (laughs) (laughs) it's all just market research you and the nielsen study they're they're just giving you like little data points where you can be like well no that's that could be useful if i if someone a hundred other people told me but right now no (laughs) so i think that's pretty good for this week uh we will see you all next week Eric, I would just fill your Sarah haha boxes with compliments. You just know it all be from me. Oh, I'll be looking for it. I'm going to start making one right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll be sure to send them your way. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back here same time, same place next week. Bye. Goodbye. Would you? Oh man, can you edit out the thing I'm gonna say next?